All right, everybody, this episode is going to be a little bit different than most. First of all, my wife is joining me today, Lindsay. Thank you for twisting my arm to come on today. (laughs) I think I need a little oversight, but we're talking about infertility today, which is something that's I think the subject matters outside the norm of of what we've talked about thus far, but it's still uh, important because I think a lot of people go through it. We went through it, and Jeanette, who's joining us today, has gone through it, and her story will tell itself. But as as far as you know, there's a lot of mental health that goes into this with when you're going through this with the struggle and uh, you know guilt and shame and you know embarrassment and trying to you know fight through um, depression and uh, stress and all this stuff, I think this will really hopefully hit home for a lot of people. And I think it was important that you had me come on so I could give my point of view, because even though we went through it, I don't think you fully realized how much it was on my mind mentally and how much it can wear on a woman who is struggling to get pregnant. Yeah. And and this the, the male perspective... Uh, it's very important for guys to hear this because, you know, we the majority of our problems came after we had two healthy kids. And that's when I would say, well, we have two healthy kids. It's okay. You know, and just not being – we're just not on the same level. But males and females that, that go through this and the body and chemicals and love and attachment. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it'll it'll come full circle for both men and women. And hopefully women can feel like they're not alone. And there are some weird stuff like that you could talk about when trying to get pregnant and uncomfortable words and situations. And a lot of people just don't like to talk about stuff like that. And even though we get to have a bunch of sex with guys, (laughs) it becomes more of a... That's all you want to do. That's it. You've done your part and then you don't think about it anymore. Yeah, but then it gets a little regimented, but... Anyway, we look forward to this conversation, and Jeanette will uh, will take us through her journey, and I think it's really uh, – it'll be powerful for a lot of people. It's also unpredictable that you are focusing on every little thing, and your mind just starts playing weird games on you. And it was, in a lot of ways, the loneliest 20 months of my life. Mental health and addiction are largely misunderstood. We often struggle in silence but there is hope for a better life. I'm Trevor Steinhauser, and this is Stigmatized. Okay, well, Jeanette, we're excited to talk with you. So you live in right outside Seattle, but you have close ties to Cincinnati. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, I grew up here in Washington State, and I uh, went to um, the University of Cincinnati for law school, where I met um, some of my peers in law school, became um, some of my closest friends. Uh, Still to this day, we keep in touch, and um, that's actually how I met your wife, Lindsay, was through one of my, my law school friends. And um, so I travel back there occasionally, and um, I had actually gone to, I think, a talk you did in Fort Thomas years ago. It might have been three or four years ago now. At the actually, coffee shop? 
way longer than that. Yeah. So maybe seven years. Um, and so, um, yep. I just, I still have connections to Cincinnati, but I am living out here in Washington now with my family. Um, I have my partner Musong and we've been together for about eight years. We've been engaged for a good five of those. I swear we will get married, but, um, well, you had we all this other stuff. Take try to have, time. Yeah. <laughs> we, we decided that we would try to, um, start our family before we got married. He's, uh, we met when we were a little bit older and he's 12 years older than I am actually. So we've got, we felt like we were, our biological clocks were ticking. And, um, so we put that off and continue to put it off. But now we, uh, yeah, we live here with, um, our two kids and we have one on the way. Um, and I, I work, um, as a tax policy manager doing tax law here for the state. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I follow you on Facebook, uh, Jeanette, and you post pictures of your beautiful kiddos. Um, and I also noticed that you are open about infertility, and I wasn't sure. So Vivian is how old? Vivian turned five in June. Okay. And then Everett is? He's 21 months, almost 22 months. He will okay. turn two on November 9th. So when did you start experiencing um, infertility? <clears throat> we have... It started with both of them. So we were trying to get pregnant with Everett and, or with Vivian and realized I didn't have a cycle, not one that you could track or plan around. Um, And, you know, the doctors usually don't want to see you for like up to a year. Yeah. They want you to try on your own for a bit. Yeah. I was on approximately day, like I think cycle day 90 or something, um, when they finally said, you know, we don't, although, yeah, this could be possible, the amount of time it would take you is is a bit unreasonable. So they put me on fertility medication, so progesterone to get my cycle started, and then Clomid to ensure I would hopefully ovulate. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is what we did with Vivian. And, um, they, you know, when you go through your OB, just your regular doctor, not a fertility specialist, they don't know a ton either. So we got a lot of information we didn't know how to process. And we did what they said and took the pills. And we were very lucky to, and we did end up getting pregnant that first go with Vivian. Um, but we ended up testing too early. Um, a little oh. confused what the process was mm-hmm. and got a negative and thought it didn't work. And uh, I actually had been planning a trip to uh, Cincinnati that October. So we decided we would take a, a break and start again when I came back. Um, but I was really sick on my trip and they wouldn't see me until I took a test and turns out it was positive. And so did you take a, a test when you were here in Cincinnati? No, no, I got back and took the test and <laughs> totally <was> surprised. Completely <laughs> shocked. Totally shocked. <laughs> it was an awesome surprise that you realize like, wow, you're, this really happened and life changed. And for her, you know, we didn't experience some of the letdown that we would feel with um, trying for Everett. Uh, 
And we didn't realize how lucky we were that mm-hmm. that process worked so easily for us, um, for her. Because I, I still didn't track. I just did what they said to do. Um, so did you know initially before you started trying that you had irregular periods? So you didn't totally try on your own? Is that when you said you didn't go through the letdown? You know? No, because I had been on birth control. Okay. I had been on birth control for so long that my cycles were regular. Um, and then you get off and they tell you, you know, it might take a little bit for your body to, Readjust. to figure it out. So we, yeah, so we had been trying and to be honest, I don't think I really knew that much about cycles and the body and what it was going to take mm-hmm. ultimately to get pregnant. So we just kind of were doing it. And then when I wasn't getting my period, though, after that long period of time and all the tests were negative. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's when my OB was like, oh, well, you know, here's a little reminder in history or health, health class. <laughs> yeah, which I find interesting. Uh, <laughs> we spend so many years trying not to get pregnant, and then you think it's just going to happen so easily. And then, then it's time, and you want to, and then you're like, why? What's going on? Why can't I? I thought, I thought this was going to be easier. Right. And so by the time I realized, yeah, so by the time I realized that there was a problem, you know, this was maybe in August or September. Um, well, no, it was probably August of 2013. And, you know, they immediately put me on progesterone and then Clomid and, and then the pregnancy happened that time. So it just felt like, okay, well, this is, it, it's not ideal. Um, the Clomid makes you feel a little insane. Um, but it's not like we went like through a bunch of negative pregnancy tests while we were hoping for mm-hmm. or expecting positive ones. Cause yeah. we knew my body might take a while. Um, and we had been trying for just a little over nine months, um, which they tell you might take that long, especially getting off birth control. So I, my expectations weren't at a point where every cycle was a disappointment. So when you, when you were ready to try for your second, did you immediately go right back in and say, we want to try, let's get back on this medicine? Or did you try to have it happen naturally? So we decided we'd start trying when Vivian turned one. So that was the summer of 2015. And I was still nursing Everett. So we did not immediately, or I was still nursing Vivian. So we did not immediately get on medication because I didn't want to rush that mm-hmm. that um, relationship. I wanted to kind of let that run its course. Um, so I didn't get a cycle, really. I didn't expect to get a cycle while I was nursing, but we've I've heard stories of it happening, so we were kind of just seeing what would happen. And then when she weaned at about 15 months, we did pretty immediately go back to medication. Um, we talked to the doctor, and they said, um, you know, let's see if you get your cycle and then we'll give you Clomid for that first cycle. And that is what we did. Um, and I would be lying if I said I didn't have the expectation that we would only need a couple rounds of pills. Well, of course, because it happened the first time last time. Yeah. Yes. And so I think through my um, midwife's office, my OBGYN, we did three rounds of Clomid 
and none of them worked and they won't continue to do it. So we then went to a specialist and I think did a couple more rounds of Clomid, which for people who don't know, I guess it's just a pill that makes you ovulate on um, ideally certain days and then you kind of track to see if you're ovulating. And I was, I was consistently ovulating, but some of my other... So what did you use to track? Did you try those little sticks that you can pee on the ovulation kits? Is that how you tried to track if you were ovulating? I couldn't use those. So for me, I, the, um, my hormones are so off um, from my PCOS that I was not allowed or not allowed. I wasn't able to use those. Um, okay. I wouldn't get accurate results. So I had to wake up every morning at the same time. So you and have take my temperature. Oh yeah, I've done that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the fun stuff so, we have to do just to. Yes, and then you can also track cervical mucus. And I guess this kind of starts getting into the stuff that nobody really ever wants to hear about. Exactly, so, like your body produces. Um, mucus that some of it's really not good for conceiving. It prevents the sperm from getting through your cervix and into your uterus. And then sometimes during the month, it's really good. It'll be what they call watery or egg white. And I was just and thinking in my head, egg, egg white cervical mucus. Yes. Yeah. I'm all about it. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and Trevor's here shaking his um, head like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> And so I would track that along with my temperature. And the temperature is really an after-the-fact um, measure. It's not going to help you in advance. But you hope that as you take it every day for months after months that you start to see a pattern. So you were charting. And, like you put it into a chart and you can see. Yep. Um, it Wasn't it like you? it would spike and then it would dip down to show that you did ovulate? Was that? It's been so long since so I've done I that. I think you would get... Uh, dip the day before and then it would shoot up okay, and then yeah, it right. would stay high. It would stay high if you were pregnant and it would dip kind of right before your period yes. if you weren't. Okay. And then once your period started, it would go back down. So I would chart that in addition to once I was at the fertility specialist, I would go into the office and they would do the vaginal ultrasounds to look at the follicles to see what was maturing and when so okay. that um, because eventually we did have to move to IUIs uh, because although the Clomid was making me ovulate, it was drying up the mucus mm. as well as thinning the lining of my uterus, which apparently is pretty common for women who aren't Overweight, I guess overweight women have enough estrogen to um, counterbalance. Taking that the, medicine, okay. Taking the meds, but otherwise um, your estrogen kind of takes a hit and you're already so hormonally imbalanced that it, it was, it, ironically it would make me ovulate, but it made all of the other kind of pregnancy criteria less favorable, um, which is ultimately why we moved to a different pill called Samara, and then eventually even to the injections, which um, are much um, gentler on both the mucus and the lining. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like, you forget, or you don't know, I guess. You just hear, 
how not to get pregnant, but then, and you think, oh, getting pregnant is so easy, but you don't realize how many things kind of have to go right in your body for you to get pregnant and then to stay pregnant. Yeah. So even if I was lucky enough to get all of, you know, like it's the sperm made it through what they call the hostile cervix because of the unfavorable mucus, um, and then met up with the egg the egg was going to have a hard time implanting. Mm -hmm. And so we, we ended up doing over, we tried forever for about 21 months. And over that time we did 10 medicated cycles. So there was, I think four or five with Clomid, two with Samara. um, And then we did, I think like three or four with just, the injections, which you just kind of take a needle and stab yourself kind of in the stomach. And then the last one was a combination of Samara and injections. So a pill and then the injections for about eight days, um, starting midway through your period. So we did 10 medicated cycles. We had four IUIs in that time, um, which basically they just, it's a catheter of sperm to insert it right into your uterus. And all of those failed. How did you feel through all that? Did, were, did you have any friends that you were able to, to talk to about it? Or were you just basically going through it, just you and your significant other? Because it's hard. I was, you keep I was lucky. Yeah, I had a couple friends who... Um, were incredibly great at checking in and they didn't care that I sent them a screenshot of my chart every day or every other day. I mean, the word obsessive, it's, it's probably not even a big enough (laughs) word. Um, at, At a certain point, you're just, you are so focused on every single thing your body's doing between what your temperature is every morning, what mucus you have, like, do you have any other symptoms? Like, do your boobs hurt? Are you crampy? Are you moody? Um, And it's also unpredictable that you are focusing on every little thing and your mind just starts playing weird games on you. And, And it is, it was in a lot of ways the loneliest 20 months of my life. Because as women, you think about it all the time. Yeah, and it's your body. And it's like you're supposed to be able to figure out when you're going to be able to do this. And and I am kind of a data-driven person in a lot of ways. So here I am with all this information that I still can't make it work. Mm -hmm. And as supportive as my partner was the whole time, he's not thinking of it 20 hours a day. He's not waking up at 4.30 every morning to take his temperature before he gets out of bed. Um, And he was also not the one kind of failing at it. Uh, His stuff was good. All he had to do was what he had to do. You know, like the worst (laughs) thing he had to do was have sex with you, go in a cup. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) um, 
Well, sex probably wasn't the worst part, although <laughs> arguably I think he would say there was probably times it was. Um, oh, once you get into that, when you're trying but, so long, it becomes, okay, now this is the right time. So it's not like it's a, a fun thing. Yeah. It's, well, the cervical mu- no. mucus is good, Business. my temperature, like, we got to we gotta get going. Yeah. He's exhausted, and I'm like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. Figure out what you've got to do, because, like, this is happening. Yeah, because I was telling Trevor that he didn't, He you don't, there's no possible way that they could understand, and they don't know how to be supportive to you. But when it's, like, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed to probably 500 times in between the day, you think about it. Yes. And it's one of those things that you're at an age where you're constantly reminded there's numerous pregnancy announcements and then you have to deal with this terrible feeling of envy, maybe even jealousy, the bitterness. And and you are so happy for people and you never want them to have to go through what you're doing. But that reminder just feels so devastating. And then even women, if they're not going through it, even some of my closest friends, you know, just relax. And I'm like, well, I tried that before. Like (laughs) my body can't just relax and start ovulating. Like that's, that's great. Um, but if I don't track these things, I'm, I may never find the right window. I may never know what's going on. And I also, it's, 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 and then you're constantly testing for a pregnancy because you don't know yet if you've, ovulated my cycles were still relatively long um they were still 35 ish days which is about a week longer than regular um or what they consider a typical cycle and then also some people just don't understand i already had one Mm -hmm. and um it's hard to explain to someone that my desire for a second one was as big as my desire for my first i desperately wanted a second baby we um, yeah, Vivian was a bright light at the end of a lot of dark days that made us realize like we would be okay no no matter what happened. But but you felt your family wasn't I mean, complete, and this is something that you wanted. So there's so many feelings wrapped up that you know you feel you know jealousy and anger and you know almost annoyed that you have to do this all the time, and then it's just. It's, you think about things in weeks and months, like, oh, or next week I'm, I should be ovulating, or in two weeks I, can, I, sh- I might be able to get a positive test. And then it doesn't even come ta- yeah. down to you're enjoying anything. You're just doing these certain time frames, and then, oh, I can test now. Oh, it's negative again. And then, then you got to start the whole month over again. And so it just makes – it's rough. And it, It's an incredibly vicious cycle that's – so predictable yet devastating and you want to keep the hope alive because otherwise why are you doing it but it made those negative tests so devastating um, especially when it came to the IUIs because we were getting um, the regular ultrasounds and my body even when all the numbers were exactly what you'd want so my lining looked good I'd have three or four follicles that they were going to trigger, which is another injection that basically makes any of the mature follicles explode and let an egg go. Mm -hmm. 
And so I'd have three, sometimes four of those ready to go. And we'd do the trigger. We would time it. Um, the numbers of sperm were off the charts good. Um, some people are working with less than 5 million, and we'd have hundreds of millions to use. And so the IUI, you put it directly into you, into your uterus. So you would think that it would just happen yeah. for you, right? So you go in and you're like, yeah. So, so we positive did, about it. We did three rounds of it. The first two were just one per cycle. And then the last one we did back-to-back ones because he was like, you know, let's just see if the, the fertility specialist is, let's see if we can just make sure we get this timed. Um, and that one, when that one came back negative, I, it, it was, it was a breaking point for me. And um, we ended up taking a six month break from the fertility medication. We still were technically trying and I was still tracking some things here and there, but um, it was, it was so devastating and I ended up with four huge cysts. Um, so when they were triggered, they didn't, the, the follicles didn't decrease back to a regular size and they turned into cysts mm. and they were incredibly painful. Did that just have to go away on its own or did you have to do something medically for that? It did go away on its own, luckily. Um, but I, I wanted to keep trying, but my partner, he, it was too much to watch the devastation I went through. I, mm-hmm. It was it was a pretty terrible time. So we did take the six-month break, um, and nothing happened for those six months. And it was January of 2017, and we decided we would try a new doctor and we did a new procedure that checks to make sure your tubes aren't blocked. And we had been operating this whole time, assuming they weren't blocked because I was able to get pregnant the time before. And they essentially shoot a dye through your fallopian tubes and watch it on a screen to see if the dye can make it through from your, um, from your Just make ovary sure it's not blocked. to your yeah. uterus. Yep. And that came back clean. Um, there was no block. I had read enough to know that sometimes that still like cleans it out enough. Like it won't show a blockage, but it kind of just makes way for everything to kind of come through. And we did a, a round of injections and that did not work. That January did not work. Um, and then in February we did, um, this was the round we did the Famara and the injections. And I overreacted to the medication. So I had potentially eight. um, I very likely, they knew I had five mature follicles. I probably had eight and it could have been up to 14 follicles that if they were to trigger and try an IUI, they would have, all of those could have possibly matured. Could have possibly had 14 babies. 14 babies. (laughs) (laughs) So um, they canceled that cycle. So that had to be devastating too. Um, well, this is the funny part and you'll soon realize why I call Everett my most rebellious act <laughs> because they said, I said, well, can we just try naturally? Can we just, you know, have timed intercourse 
and not do the trigger and just see what happens. And they were like, absolutely not. Like there's, it's, there's the risk of multiples is too high. We had been trying forever. These guys had only seen us for two cycles and we were okay with multiples by this point. In our mind, it was kind of a buy one, get one. Mm-hmm. We've gone through a ton. <laughs> well, unless um, you have 14. We this was, <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't want 14, <laughs> but we were really fine with two. Um, we would have, um, we would have handled three and it was really just four. Four was kind of where we were like, we, we'd have to probably make some really rough decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about it and after everything we'd gone through, we thought, what are the chances of even one sticking really? Like even, you know, I'd had cycles with three or four eggs, um, and nothing. Mm-hmm. I'd had cycles with, everything that you would want to see was there and it still failed. Um, and the, these cycles aren't cheap. So when you're looking at the injections, that's $800 a cycle. Every ultrasound's another hundred to $200. So you're already a thousand dollars. Nothing is covered by in. insurance anyway. So you're Nothing's probably covered. paying for all this. Yeah. And, um, I had a friend who actually, she had been seeing the same doctor. She had been trying for just as long. We had both been trying for about two years at this point. And she had found out two weeks earlier that her IVF had worked. And um, so I also joked that I might have a competitive uterus Mm -hmm. because (laughs) we decided we were going to just go ahead and do timed intercourse and just see what happened. And, uh, Turns out it worked and we were, <laughs> oh my gosh, we got pregnant with Everett and it was so exciting, except for we had to wait a couple weeks to see how many were in there. And we were, <laughs> we were a bit terrified yeah. at this point, um, but it was just one healthy baby in there. And so wow, that worked um, out. Well, it's a good thing that you decided <laughs> to I try it on your own. Jill, go, I was scared to email them because I was like, they're going to kick me out as a patient because I'm a terrible patient who doesn't listen to instructions. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was, it was obviously very exciting. And, and we think all the time, like, what if we had not done that? What if we had just listened to the doctors and, and I'm not suggesting you shouldn't listen to the doctors. Oh, like, sure. We realized yeah. the risks were probably more than most people should take on, um, and I think if it had been earlier in our journey, we would have um, waited, listened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're thinking of how many times you've had multiple follicles and couldn't even get one to stick, I, I realized there was a chance more would stick, but it, it wasn't a big risk in my mind mm-hmm. that suddenly we'd have three or four. But you were okay with multiple. So I guess sticking. that made it. We were, yes. I mean, in fact, I was hoping for two. I'd be lying if I said when I got to the ultrasound and there was only one, I wasn't like a, a tiny bit disappointed. Yeah. So throughout when you were struggling emotionally, how was this, how was this playing out? I mean, like, um, your, go ahead. it's hard to go all the way back there. Although if I'm being honest, there are still times today, even having, um, two beautiful kids out of it and 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 we can get to this later how this happened and a and a little bonus third on the way um 
how jealous I can see with people with multiple kids when, when you just see these kids close in, in age and you're just like, gosh, that must be nice. And, and I remind myself, I don't know their story. I don't know how they got there. And just to try to focus on what I'm doing, but some of that jealousy, it doesn't go away even after you get um, what would be considered for to people a happy ending. Um, so you live with a lot of that guilt too about what you missed during those two years, how focused you are on trying for another baby. Did I, did I really get everything I could have out of having Vivian? Um, you know, and, and as she got older, it, it felt more hopeless about giving her a sibling. We, we really wanted them close together and it's, it's weird to think about now because I love their age gap now, but in the moment it felt so unfair that I couldn't give her a sibling close in her age. And I cried all the time. Um, and it'd be random things. It wouldn't, it just, I, I said earlier, it being some of the loneliest times of my life, it, your friends talk to you different. It's like they, Nobody really knows what to say. And so instead of saying anything, they say nothing times, at all. They say nothing. Um, well, and it's, it's hard like, for people to understand who haven't gone through it, the, even the possibilities. Because I remember, so my first miscarriage, or it was at 16 weeks. And, you know, so I had to have a DNC, I had to go through all this stuff. And then maybe a couple weeks after all that was through, I went to a dinner with friends. And one of my friends brought their little newborn baby boy into to dinner, which was fine. And, of course, why wouldn't she? But, like, that, like I had to fight back tears that entire dinner. And it's just stuff. They just don't realize all the stuff that you're going through, people go through, when they're struggling. And the infertility, although I never did get pregnant, I didn't ever lose a pregnancy Every cycle felt like a loss. Oh, sure. Every cycle was another month that I wouldn't be due. It's the hope um, and the you know the hope and the dream and like the future that you're seeing. This could work. This could be the time I have the second child and and then every cycle you're like, oh, if I got pregnant this month, I'd be due this month, and this is what we would do. And Vivian would be this age, and then that cycle fails, and you start over the next cycle, and it's just one of those things that. And you get to a point where if someone finally does ask you how you're doing, you don't know whether you want to lie. So they'll ask you again later, Mm -hmm. or you want to be honest and say, I'm struggling. But how many times do you say you're struggling before people feel indifferent? Because I was struggling every day. Um, Every single day. Sure, there were probably some days where it felt a little easier and I had made more peace than I had the previous day. And then the next day was just double as bad. Or maybe Um, the next weekend you had to go to a baby shower and you had to be happy and and joyous when you think, but you can't help but think about yourself. You know, I had a friend that she was on birth control and for each of her kids, she got off birth control, got pregnant right away. Never even had to have a cycle where she didn't have a positive test. So, you know, it's, People yeah. just cannot understand. And it's something that after a year, 
you know, you're pushing two years and you have to start wondering how long are you going to do this? Like how long will you try? What age does your first kid need to be before you realize that you're outside of what you think is a good time to have a kid? How old are you going to be and is your body going to be before you stop? Are you ever going to stop? Like, are you ever going to be able to find peace in that decision? Um, And so you're mentally, you're trying to be hopeful, but you're also trying to figure out a way to protect yourself so that every cycle doesn't break you. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, after those two IUIs, I didn't know what to do next. I was so, so devastated. It felt so hopeless. I, I felt like if that didn't work, nothing was ever going to work. And fine, I'll take a six month break, but then what, you know, then are we just done with this? Are we never going to get our miracle? And I still tracked, I still took my temperature. I wasn't willing to like, let go of the information I was collecting and and you and still and and all the like I know people mean well and they are trying to help um but mostly you just needed someone to be like I know this sucks just be you there know, to listen to you let me be here for you like so like I said I was lucky I had two people who would go over my charts with me every day I had my friend who had also been going through it and by some miracle we ended up do two weeks apart after all of that. And so awesome. I don't know what I would do without the two or three people um, that I had. And um, I do have a friend trying for her third and she's lost, um, I think three baby. She has two and she's lost three trying for this third one. And, um, so I try to check in on her all the time. I try to make sure she knows I'm there in whatever way. You know, I don't I don't know that she'll get her baby. I hated someone saying when it's meant to be, it'll be, mm-hmm. because why is it not now? Why are other people getting babies and I'm not getting babies? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it, just trying to keep that hope. And so I don't want to give her that. I know that it might. I know that in her head, she knows it might not happen. I hope it does. And I'm here to encourage her every step of the way. Um, But I don't, I don't know how people keep going. Um, I've known people who did fertility for a decade, 11, 12 years, and two years. I don't think I'll ever recover from the emotional toll that took. I mean, I'm better, um, but I still get sad that, our family planning was taken from us. Like, it's not like other people who are like, oh, I want a summer baby, so we're going to start trying in September. And then it just happens. And they, and a lot of people were able to do that. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that must be really nice to just decide you want another one. And there it is. Like, and, and I'm, and I'm happy for them. I really am. It sounds like I'm so not happy, but. It it's hard to not feel a little jealous. Yeah, you can be happy for them, but it's still like, remember those feelings. I mean, I think that's okay. And so here I am with even now. And so, like I said, we do have a little bonus on the way. We um, we knew fertility was not in our future again emotionally. I don't think I could ever 
do it again. Um, I, I the, the medication is, is hard to deal with. It makes you not feel very good. Uh, I didn't ever want to do timed intercourse again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no more procedures, no more shots. Um, but I wanted to try for a third. I would have tried naturally for a third. Um, but my partner, I think, even recognized that that can quickly spiral out of control and would still have the same disappointment every cycle. Mm -hmm. It didn't work. Um, You know, would I be able to just kind of willy-nilly try without tracking relentlessly? Um, He didn't want any of that. And so I agreed, uh, you know, we we wouldn't have a third. Um, But we never did try preventing. I think I chose not to prevent because I was hopeful we would get a miracle he chose not to prevent because he was certain it would never happen. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because you said you had PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And um, mm-hmm. I have an, another friend who had to have medical assistance to get pregnant and then had a third bonus too, um, just like you said. And her doctor said, which I don't know if this is true, but that PCOS can kind of clear up or or fix itself or do something and then like surprise. Oh, you can have a baby. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, it was just one of those, you know, I got my cycle back about a month after Everett weaned himself. Um, he was 11 months old and, um, but they were long, you know, they were still the first one I think was 40 days and then it was 45 days. And then the cycle before this pregnancy was 55 days. And ironically, again, so with both of my other two, I had a strong aversion to coffee and I was having an aversion to coffee in March. And the idea of a pregnancy was so unlikely that I accused my partner of, I said, what are you doing to the coffee? You're making it terrible. You're making it too strong. (laughs) You need to go back to what you're doing like I'm not doing anything different and I was like you're a liar so I bought I started making it still awful bought new coffee still awful but still the furthest thing from my mind was this possibility and I was very early in my cycle still so I was like you know it's I probably haven't even ovulated let alone be pregnant and again I go to Cincinnati this was my last trip back there when I was there in March for my birthday and um I the coffee's still not tasting good and I don't feel great, but I'm okay. And I come home after that weekend and I'm making dinner and I'm like, Oh, this food is awful. Like who picked out this food? And of course I picked it out. And so I tell, I tell Miss I'm like, I think I'm my partner. I'm like, I think I'm getting sick. I'm going to go lay down. So I lay down and I feel better. And then the next morning it comes time for breakfast and I'm making a bagel and cream cheese, which has never in my life not sounded good to me. And I couldn't eat it. And so were bells going off in your head then? Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, do not take a test. It's I'm my cycle before, like I said, was 55 days. I'm on day 38. Um, there's still something about letting yourself believe your body could do this on its own that I'm like, why are you setting yourself up for this negative test? Like, don't do it. Like, why do you want to be disappointed again and it was so brightly positive <laughs> so quickly um but it had to have been so shocking i i 
I sat on the toilet and cried for like five minutes. Um, and I, I still probably couldn't explain what the feelings were. Um, but even, even after all of that, and I still hear people say like, Oh, all I had to do is look at my husband and I got pregnant or, Oh yeah. All my babies were accidents or surprises. And you'd think having my own surprise baby now, I would understand more what they went through, but it still kind of irritates me that people can so easily do that. And uh, the fear, actually, so like with the the first two, the fear of losing them was so intense because Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I could ever get another one. And then um, with this one, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I know, and, and that's such a terrible feeling that this should be a joyous time. You're pregnant. Yeah, like, so you would think you could just sit here and enjoy it and think, like, obviously he's meant to be. It's a little boy, and he's just what the world was always planning on giving you. But instead, I'm like, it can't be this easy. Like, this is probably a joke. Um, something's going to go wrong um, because it's not supposed to be this easy and, and you try not to put that out in the world because it's such a nasty thought. Um, well, you can't help it. And men don't understand that, that I can't, that we think all these things, or we wish we didn't, but we can't help it. And I think like, even like, even women friends, it's like, I can't say, you don't want to say it out loud. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to put it out there. And so you just don't talk about it and you internalize these huge Years. And the 20 week ultrasound was great. You know, you, you get some reassurance that things are going to be okay. Um, and then they start moving and you get that reassurance every day, but it's still every night and every day. Mm-hmm. You're like, please just, please just stay with us. You know, please let me keep you. So do you think um, by, by being open about it, like I know you post on Facebook and I'm sure, um, you talk to your friends about it, but do you think by being open about it, we can help you know, other women cope and, and get through all that, those stressful months? I hope so. I hope it makes it less of something people feel like they have to hide, like it's something no one understands. Um, I still think probably the post makes some people uncomfortable. But you never know. It could help one or two or three people. Yeah, I think some of the stuff I talked about today make people uncomfortable. Um, but I've also had people reach out to me privately on Messenger or Instagram and talk about what they're going through or what they went through and how many people are going through these things secretly and privately. Um, and I can't imagine that. Like, even with the support that I had, it was still an incredibly lonely, lonely, lonely journey. I, mm-hmm. That's the best way I can describe it is I had all these people in my corner and yet I felt like I was completely alone um, with the exception of a few people. I felt really, really understood. And if I can be that person to someone or someone can find um, some hope in, in that you know, then it's worth it to me to kind of make other people uncomfortable with what it was like and, and possibly help people understand how they can support loved ones if they find out that they're going through it. 
Well, that's very brave well, know, of you to yeah. put yourself out there. Yeah, and I know that this is uh, going to help a lot of people. And getting uncomfortable is what needs to happen. And uh, I just thank you for your courage and coming on and being willing to to tell your story and give people hope that they can they can get through it. And uh, another quick little tidbit: my my infertility friend, the one who had we were due two weeks apart. Um, she is actually due with her surprise third baby oh. like four <laughs> days ago. So she should have her right. surprise third You guys baby. are I mean, both on I... track with each other. <laughs> so that's the other reason we joke about my weird competitive uterus. If she says she's pregnant, like, you got to apparently too. <laughs> my uterus is not getting left Hey, behind. whatever works. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, obviously I don't really believe that's how it works. But, um, well, yeah. But it's still fun to joke I, about. More than ever, I have... Yeah, more than ever, I have no idea how or why these things happen the way they do. But, you know, we're, we feel very lucky that there was a happy ending at the end of our... Yes, I'm very happy for you. I was so excited when I saw your post on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. But um, as as it's become clear, the emotions still... There's a pain that I think will always stay a little Oh, yeah. Bit. But just keep doing, you know posting things and and putting yourself out there who cares if it makes other people feel uncomfortable yeah I, i'm hoping you know cervical mucus can be said without too much <laughs> <laughs> vomiting for people in the future but that's what your friends are going through if yeah if they're tracking yep well thanks for joining us and uh, we'll be saying prayers for you for the rest of your journey and uh, we look forward to same meeting your happy, your healthy baby. baby. Yay. Yes, awesome. Thank you, Bloss. All right. Thanks, Jeanette. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. I want to thank everyone that makes this show possible. Production by Gwen Sound. Artwork by Neltner Smallbatch. And photography by John Willis and Lindsay Steinhauser. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Visit our website for more information at stigmatizedpodcast.com.